Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to open your Bibles. We're going to, I'm going to quote a different scripture, but we're going to go to Mark the sixth chapter, if you would, in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, you got your phone and and um, I know a lot of times, you know, we can almost become lazy in the fact that we show the scriptures on the screen. And the reason I do that is for, it's to benefit, especially those that are new here, they're visiting, or, and they may not have their Bible with them. And um, when we were kids, everybody, I mean everybody, everybody carried a Bible. Everybody did. Uh, they, you know, now technology allows us, you know, to not have to. I mean, when I first got saved, I had a Bible that weighed about 90 pounds. I mean, that thing was huge. And so every time I walked around with it, people would move away, you know, just thought I might hurt somebody with them. I mean, it's, it, uh, but uh, uh, I've had this Bible, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, a precious woman who's in heaven now, um, she uh, gave it to me, I think it was back in 81. So this is an old Bible. And I bought new Bibles, it's just hard to transition because you have all your stuff in the old Bible, you know. And um, anyway, so... Um, before I read Mark, the sixth chapter, I'm going to just read, and you'll see it on the screen, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Every scripture is God-breathed. And I, I, I even, uh, I wanted to add this because it, it's significant that every, especially every new covenant scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration. Now watch. And so God's word is profitable for instruction, uh, for reproof, or that means disapproval and conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action, so that the man or the woman of God may be complete and proficient, that word proficient means skilled and accomplished, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. If, if you agree for that, say, with that, say amen. amen. So we see that God gave us the word of God. Not so that we could just hear some flowery, um, candy-coated message that makes us feel good. Uh, but God's word, the Bible says here, it, 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 um, it um, is for instruction, for reproof, conviction, correction, discipline, and for training in righteousness. Amen. And uh, so God's word, uh, God gave us his word to literally pierce our hearts, to bring co uh, conviction and correction, uh, to equip us for every challenge that we face in life. That's why God gave us his word. The message Bible says through the word we're put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Now in Mark the sixth chapter, and this is where we're going to get really to our, the, uh, the text to what we're going to be sharing this morning. You know, after receiving, after receiving such a wonderful expression of your love uh, uh, and, 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 and honor for uh, your pastors, we're extremely humbled by that. And uh, but I would was praying this week, and the Lord specifically spoke to my heart. I mean, specifically. It isn't that I just kind of got it out of the air, or, or I heard another preacher preach it, and so, no, no, this came literally by the Holy Ghost. So today, the message is from the Holy Ghost, and it's on the subject of offense. And so, 
Let's read in verse Matthew 6, verse 1. It says, And he, Jesus, from thence came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? I mean, where, did, where, where in the world did he get these things from? And what wisdom is this that which is, um, which is given him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So they confirmed with their confession that with the wisdom of God literally is coming out of this man with signs and wonders following. They acknowledge that. Okay, let's go on. Is not this, uh-oh, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And the Bible says, and they were offended at him. Amen. Now look at verse 5. And he could there do no mighty work except that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, hangnails, you know, whatever. I mean, just very, very small items, uh, sniffling nose. And uh, the Bible says, and um, laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And the Bible says he marveled because of their unbelief. So it's quite, it's, it's interesting here that he, he ties unbelief with offense. So just to let you know that anytime there is offense present, there's unbelief present. Or anytime there's unbelief present, it's because somebody's offended. And we'll see this through the scriptures as we go. Amen. Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. So wherever there's offense, unbelief is present. And listen to this. And in this specific story, it was unbelief that short-circuited the faith required for the supernatural. There were people there that were probably deformed and people there that were bound by demons. And Jesus could not operate there in the fullness of God's presence because of something called offense. What is offense? And we've taught about, talked on this, but it's going to help you today understand offense is that Greek word scandalon. It means to entrap, to trip up caused to stumble, enticed to sin. And then there was another interesting word. It's the word apostasy. That's in there. You can look at yourself. Apostasy means it leads even to the abandonment. Offense leads to the abandonment of one's belief. And Jesus here was not addressing the publicans or the, or the sinners. He was literally addressing his own people, the Jews, and literally his own family and his friends uh, of his community. And then verse 5 reveals the impact that offense has even when the fullness of God's presence was there. The Bible says he could there, in that atmosphere of offense and unbelief, he could there do no mighty works. The Bible didn't say he wouldn't. The Bible says he couldn't. So offense short circuits God's power from having its full effect in your life. How many here, uplift that hand, you want to come to church and be prepared, be prepared for the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of his anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. Same here. Now, turn if you would to Matthew 17. Now, I'm going to spend the rest of my time in Matthew 18 uh, because I want to show you some things I have not seen before, okay? So, it's fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit. Nothing deep, but fresh revelation. And now, before I go to Matthew 18, I want to read a, the first part of Matthew 17, listen, that prepares us for chapter 18. In Matthew 17, it says this, verse 1, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John uh, and, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. Now, there, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then... In that moment of transfiguration, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, again, 
I'm just going to share something with you. It's just my opinion. It's not going to alter or hurt your salvation. But so why Moses and Elijah? Well, first of all, Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the anointing. What does that mean? You can't have the anointing without the law, and you can't have the law without the anointing. You got to have both. Isn't that good? So Moses and Elijah is communicating. We don't know what was being shared there. And I know there's been people that have had insight on this. I just don't have time to look it up. But what's interesting is that that, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured. Transfigured. He was changed at that moment. And I don't know if, I'm just giving you my opinion. See, how many agree that we cannot legally tap in uh, to communicate with with the dead? Uh, not so much that, that people on the other side. We're not able to. Why? Because we're not glorified. So in that instant, this is just possible. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out. It's possible that for Jesus to legally communicate with Moses and Elijah, he had to be glorified, step into the realm of the spirit to legally do that. Interesting. Anyway, I'm sure some of you got blessed by that. So out of this, Can you imagine the mindset of these three disciples of witnessing, I mean, by those three being chosen out of the 12, those three are chosen to witness such a supernatural event, which I believe would set them up for what they're about to say in Matthew 18.1. It set them up to think that maybe they were chosen. They're special. They're more special than those other nine because they were the three that were chosen. And so, Matthew 18, let's go there and read that. So at that time, the disciples came and asked Jesus, who then is really the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which one of us, sir? Now, we know those nine probably are, but which one of us three? Are you enjoying this or not? (laughs) Which one of the, this is their mindset. Come on. I always tell people all the time, if God uses you for anything, don't get puffed up, because it was, if he did, it's a miracle he did. I'm not saying that, for, I mean, I say that for all of us. Come on, everyone. So don't ever get puffed up, rather get humbled by the fact that he'd be so wonderful to use any of us for his glory and honor. Can I have an amen? So this is the attitude. So who then is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? So he called a little child to himself and put him in the midst of them. And he said, truly I send you, unless you repent, this is the Amplified, change, turn about, and become like little children. What are little children like? He gives us four divine virtues of a child that God placed in the DNA of every child born into the earth. I don't care what uh, religion, what culture. These four virtues are in every baby born into the world. Trust, humility, love, and forgiveness. Unless you become like little children, trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. Whoever will humble himself... Therefore, and become like this little child, trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives and accepts and welcomes one, of the, one a little child like this for my name, and in my name receives, accepts, and welcomes me. So Jesus was right away letting the disciples know what the most important thing in their lives is, is, is to, to know that these four divine virtues are in every child, and we as parents are responsible to make sure that we, that we uh, add strength uh, and, uh, to every one of these virtues as our children grow from childhood to adulthood. We can either de- weaken them and destroy them, 
or we can strengthen them and enhance them in their lives. All depends how we respond to this thing called offense. So, verse 6. Now, again, I don't have time to go to the King James, but I want you to know, in King James, the word offense or offend is used five times within the first five verses. So that is specifically what he's talking about. Okay, but this is the Amplified. So, but whoever... King James says offense. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble in sin, oh, how, how? Because of offense. That is who entices him or hinders him in right conduct or thought. It would be better or more expedient and profitable for it or advantageous for him to have a great millstone stone fastened around his neck and to be sunk in the depth of the sea. Now I want you to stop and think about what Jesus said. This is pretty serious. He said, said, if how we choose to live causes our children to stumble in sin and hinders them from right conduct or thought, it will be better that he takes a big piece of cement and straps it around his neck and throws that into the sea. Way better that him, him him or her be out of sight and out of mind than to influence that child in such a devastating way. That's just, that's just powerful. And Jesus wasn't mincing for words. He, he meant what he said and he said what he meant. Woe, verse seven, watch this. Woe to the world for such temptations to sin and influence to do wrong or to offend. It is necessary that temptations or offenses come, but woe to the person on whose account or by whom the temptation comes. Now watch this. So if your hand and your foot causes you to stumble, this is so important you read, you read it the way it's supposed to be understood. Here's what he said. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble in sin, if what you're holding on to or your feet are leading you to regarding offense, he said, cut that offense off. Cut it off. Get it out of your life. And throw it away from you, it is better or more profitable and wholesome for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet, that's of your child, be thrown into everlasting fire. What? The fires of offense. And if your eye causes you to stumble in sin because you're focused on an offense... Pluck it, that offense out, and throw it away from you. It's better or more profitable and wholesome for you to enter life with only one eye focused on that which is good for your child to imitate than it is to have two eyes be thrown into the hell or Gehenna of fire or the intense suffering your child has to experience because of your offenses. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, I've seen it for 40, over 40 year, 50 years of serving God that... And we've said it in the past. We've literally had families in our church that have told us face-to-face, we have, our family has a problem with offense. And at that moment, they allow those offenses to trip them up and, and literally devastate their entire lives. More marriages are destroyed because of offense. We just came off of a tremendous evening Friday night. We had uh, well over 100 people here for a, a marriage uh, uh, conference. Come on, clap if you enjoyed it. I mean, it was powerful. And you know, I hope you come to the next one on the 18th. And it, it's powerful. And why? Because we all need to learn. We all need to grow. We all want uh, rich and healthy relationships. Amen. But offense has caused more injuries, not only in marriages, but in uh, homes as well, among children. 
They pick up the same offenses that we hold on to. Remember, when Satan attacks your life, he's after your seed. Do you remember that? That's all through the 50 years of my life. I've, uh, although I've been just as guilty of you holding offense, been made mistakes uh, more than you'd like to hear. And, and, um, and yet my greatest desire is, is, to, uh, is to create an environment of blessing for my children to hold on to and my grandchildren to hold on to so they can avoid all the pain that we've had in our lives. Amen. So, Jesus tells us how serious offense is and the damage it can cause. Verse 12, again, the subject matter, offense, which helps us to transition to verse 12. Look at here. Jesus continues. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray because of offense and gets lost or loses his love for and devotion for God? Will he, the master, not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that is lost? And if it should be that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices more over, watch this, over it, uh, over it the one that was lost, than over the 99 that never did get lost. We always value the ones that never got lost. And God values the one that just got found. In fact, he values the one that is lost because he goes after it. Man, this is powerful. Now, why? Because we, become, we can become so self-righteous. You know that, you know, uh, you know that, oh yeah, they made a mistake. We understand. You know, we'd never do that. No, we always, when we say never, we end up doing the very same thing. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep, one of them has gone astray and gets lost or loses his love and devotion for God? Will he, uh, the master, not leave the 99 and go and search for the one who's lost? Of course. If it should be that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over, over it than over the 99 that did not get lost. Just so it is not the will of my, just so it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones uh, should be lost and perish because of offense. Verse 15. So if your brother wrongs you, the King James says trespass. I just want to, I just want to always be accurate. The King James says trespasses against you. The word trespass in the Greek means offends you. Just want you to know that. I'm not trying to add words, or I just want you to see this, the importance of what Jesus is teaching here. So if your brother offends you or wrongs you or a, a friend offends you, go, watch this, and show him his fault between you and him privately. If he listens to you, you have won back your brother, but if he does not listen, take along uh, two, uh, one or two others so that every word be, will be confirmed, upheld by the testimony of two or three witnesses. See, uh, go and show, go and show, go and show. That's the God way. But that's not what we do as Christians. I'm just wanting to help every one of us. That is not what we do as believers. We actually do just the opposite when, we, when, it, when it comes to offense. I mean, 99% of the body of Christ uh, says it this way. If my brother or sister offends me, I'll wait till they come to me, admit they've done wrong, and apologize. Which in many cases, listen, this is so good. The one who causes the offense either isn't aware of it or he may or she may even think it isn't an offense. So then what do you do with it? 
I mean, you got to stop and think about this stuff. We think we're the spiritual ones until we have opportunities to get offended. And then we fall into the very trap that the devil sets for us. And I'll be careful, but then we go on social media and we express our offense and try to get others to climb on board with our offense. We just got to stop that. If you go on Facebook, go on there, whatever social media, go on there and just quote scripture. Let the word of God do its part. I mean, just do it. Just let the word of God do its part. Because you're not going to change anybody by just making it, just having an opinion. And I mean, if love covers them all to the sins, just let it cover it then. You know, I'm, I'm going on my 73rd life. And I told the Lord one day, I'm so tired of warfare. I don't mind spiritual warfare in the sense, you know, I understand. I'm just so tired of warfare when it comes to just people in general. I'm tired of fighting. If there's such a thing as, what is it, post-trauma, PTSD? There's such a thing spiritually, man. It's real, because I don't. I just want to. I just want to get along and love one another so that we can make a uh, create an environment so when people come to church they feel the love of God there. There's not one of us that have it together, not one of us. And we can express our opinions all we want and vent what we feel, but in the long run, does it help at all? It doesn't help at all. Doesn't help at all. Offense. Jesus continues. Verse 18. Truly I tell you, watch this. This is so powerful that I had never caught it in this way of what Jesus was addressing from the very moment of chapter one, uh, verse one of, uh, of 18 all the way to the end of it. We'll see it as we, as we read on. Whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth regarding an offense must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth regarding offense must be what is already permitted in heaven. Do you understand that? So you and I have the power to decide what is proper and lawful and what is not regarding offense. Because if you set that trap and you get into offense, heaven agrees. Heaven will agree with you of the decision you've made. Why did God let that happen? No, our choices make things happen. I just want you to capture. Are you capturing this? Because this is what the whole thing is about. So when it comes to offense, we're the only ones who can forbid it or permit it. Verse 19. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, harmonize together. Harmonize. Oh, my goodness. My daddy. He raised us with harmony. And I'm so grateful. I mean, if, you would, if we'd sometime do it, Angie and Andy and Amy, because they're all related, when they harmonize, it's heavenly. And I'm not just saying that because they're my kids, though they're my kids. Anyway, <laughs> but the harmony is so beautiful. My dad, he, he'd go to these barbershop quartets and he'd take us. Did he take you and I once together? And I'm telling you, man, you sit there and you listen to this 
just heavenly. It's heavenly. Even though it's, they're, all they're singing is secular, it's heavenly. Hallelujah. Because the harmony is so beautiful. But when there's disharmony, thank God, if you can't hear music, then you're, you're safe. But man, when you hear, when you have a great ear for music and somebody's flat or sharp, that's disharmony. And nobody gets blessed by disharmony. Nobody. So he's saying, if two of you agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, watch this, ask what? In keeping offense out of your hearts and homes, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. He will make sure that what you are enforcing uh, regarding love and unity, praise God, he'll be there to bless it. For wherever two or three are gathered together or drawn together as my followers in and into my name, there I am. And the word amplified, the amplified, uh, uh, it's, it's capitalized, I am. See, that's Jesus' name. Jesus' name is the great I am. God's name in Exodus, the third chapter. Moses says, who, do you, who, who am I supposed to tell Israelites sent me? He, and God said, well, you tell them I am that I am. Amen. I am. That's who Jesus is. Not how I was, not I will be, I am. He is what you allow him to be at that very moment. If you choose love, he says, I'll be there in the midst of you. If you choose forgiveness, I'll be there in the midst of you. If you choose patience, I'll be there in the midst of it. Thank you, Lord. As I said earlier, offense is the number one killer of relationships. Listen, both vertically and horizontally. Hmm. Verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me or offend me? That's what he's talking about. How many times that may my brother offend me and I forgive him and let it go? As many as... As um, up to seven times. See, he really thought he was being very gracious at that moment. Because Peter actually caught what Jesus was saying. He really, he caught it, so he was sincerely saying, okay, I understand offense now. So if someone offends me, how many times shall I forgive them? And the Levitical law said seven times. Okay? So he thought, okay, if the law says seven times, then that should be sufficient. And Jesus answered and said, I tell you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, again, we don't have to get into the mathematical equation. But I tell you right now, I'm glad he didn't set it for seven times or you and I would be in great trouble. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, or it operates on this spiritual principle. It's like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And again, I don't, it doesn't matter, but Amplified says about $10 million. And because he could not pay it, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and with his children. 
So it shows us right here that debts of offense have a devastating effect on a family, including every congregational family. In 1997, quite a while ago, not that long for us, we had, we were honored to have the Seville's in, Jerry Seville and his wife. And uh, she taught on that subject. Why would she teach on that subject? The Holy Spirit was, was letting letting um, the congregations know that offense is a problem, so make sure that you don't fall into that trap. That was a long time ago. And even then, I didn't see what I've seen here this past, past week, just simply capturing what Jesus is actually teaching on in Matthew 18. So because he could not pay it, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. See, that was wishful thinking on his part, but not, not at all possible. Just the interest alone he couldn't cover, much less the $10 million debt. And I, I, you know, and I don't know. I don't know how far in debt I've been with God. But far enough to know, I don't want to be in debt with God. Meaning, meaning me holding uh, other people, things against other people, right? Holding things against other people, and then it causes me to be spiritually in debt. And I end up getting in trouble for it. I love this phrase. We had a debt we could not pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. And his master's heart was moved with compassion. He literally begged, please, please, if you'll give me some time, I will repay you. Well, it was impossible, and the master knew it. So the master moved with compassion, and he released him and forgave him, canceling the entire debt. Well, how about just half? The master knew he wouldn't be able to pay half. How about three quarters? The master knew he couldn't pay the three quarters. He just heard the cry of his heart. And so the master moved with compassion, for he gave him of the debt, the Bible says. Verse 28. But that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii, about $20. I mean, you can hardly believe reading this. How you could so quickly forget how God forgave you such a deep debt that literally somebody has a, just a little bit of a uh, cross hairs with you, cross words, and man, you are out to get them. He caught him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. I thought of, I thought, I thought of Ivan, pay, pay me what you owe me. <laughs> pay what you owe. Amen. Again, remember, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth regarding offense must be what is already forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit... And declare proper and lawful on earth regarding an offense, you're, uh, an offense you're holding on to, it's already permitted in heaven. It's, I mean, it's just uh, the way it is. You're not going to get free from it. Verse 29. So his fellow attendant fell down. And watch this. His fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly, give me time and I will pay you all. And guess what? 
he could. This boy could. He was able to pay it all. I'll, I'll make it, I'll, I'll, I'll make it up. I, I can do this. Well, 20 bucks wouldn't be too tough. 10 million is a little different. I'll repay you. But he was unwilling. The King James says he would not. He was unwilling and he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow attendants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told everything that had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said to him, you contemptible and wicked attendant. It goes to show you the mercy of God. God already knew. God already knew. The master already knew he was a contemptible and wicked attendant. He already knew that. But he still chose to forgive him. Come on, how many are glad for that? He still chose to forgive him. I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed, which would have been in eternity. So also, my heavenly father, Jesus said, will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. Now, let me also say this, and I'm winding down. You know, when it comes to offense, and I've, I, you witness this, when it comes to offense, listen, when it comes to offense, the one that it, the offense is against has to be careful that they themselves don't fall into offense in regards to the one that got offended because of them. It's just, a, it's such, it's, do you understand what I'm saying? I am just irritated because you think I offended you. Well, bless God, then I'm offended for thinking that way. It just becomes a, uh, it just becomes a, 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 an insanity, no way to live. No way to live. So you, you just got to watch your heart constantly. Because then you justify yourself for being mad at the person that offended you instead of you just saying, okay, God, I understand that, sir. If they're offended, then I, please forgive me, Lord. I, I I'm not going to do that again. Are you all are y'all here? Yeah. And I've shared this, and it's, it's, it's just a good uh, illustration. And I've shared it so many times, but again... In Africa, it's also in Brazil, I looked it up. There's a, there's a cage, a monkey cage called a, a kambuka. And, uh, and uh, this cage is, is used to catch monkeys. And you've, you've, heard, you've heard it so many times, but they build a small little cage and just enough, they put a hole in it, just enough for the monkey to get his hand in there. And then they put a banana in there. So that monkey, he goes in there, gets his, squeezes his hand in there and he grabs that, he grabs that banana and he just doesn't let it go. And, and he's so stubborn, he won't let it go. And he's just fighting. And of course, the cage is staked down. So he's just fighting to get that banana out. And the Africa tribesman comes and knocks him in the head and they have monkey soup. And Jesus said, there's still parallels with Jesus said in Matthew and Mark 11. I'll quote, I'll quote the whole thing for you so you understand it. In Matthew um, 
or excuse me, in Mark um, 11, verse 22, Brother Hagan taught us so much on this. It says, have faith in God. Say that out loud. Look at somebody and say, have faith in God. What that simply means is, trust God with the situation you're facing. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain of offense, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. I said amen. amen. And then it goes on in verse, what's the next verse? He goes on and says, therefore I say unto you, you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. And, he hasn't even stopped talking yet. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. Isn't that powerful? So he's simply saying there, the Amplified says it so beautifully, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, let it drop, leave it, let it go. 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 It drop, even, uh, leave it, let it go. In order that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Jesus said this in Mark 4, Mark the fourth chapter. He talks about the uh, parable of the sower. And there were four different environments to which the seed of God's word fell into. Good ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground. And the one of the stony ground, because he didn't have a lot of spiritual depth to his relationship with God, he was always offended. Always offended. So if you're a person that always gets offended, then you can actually judge where you're at spiritually with God. You don't have a lot of depth to your relationship with the Lord. That can be humbling, but that's true. You allow so many things into your life that are not spiritually sound and all, of it, all the emotions and, you know, just all sorts of offense and stuff you lay in and all of a sudden you're, you have no depth to your relationship with God and you're offended all the time. God doesn't want you to live that way. Why? For the sake of your family. I'm going to be very careful when I say this, but I had a, I had a um, family member, not, not my immediate family, but a family member who, his, his, um, his parents hurt him deeply. I mean, I have no idea. I've never known to this day what it, you know, just didn't treat him uh, real good when he was young. And um, uh, so he left when he was 17 years old. And um, except for twice in 50 years, he never came home. And both his mama and daddy passed away and never came to their funerals. That's the depth of offense. And not only that, other areas of his life he suffered in just because he didn't know the power of offense. I had a brother, loved him dearly, tremendous, wonderful man of God, but caused some extremely deep, deep hurtful things in our lives and in the ministry. And uh, what do I do? Ends up in the hospital. I go visit him and love on him. Because that's, that's what love does. I said that's what love does. Could hold on to things for years 
it is not worth it. Let me say it again. It's not worth it. You, you leave it alone, let it drop, let it go, and give it to God. And God will make it right. I said God will make it right. He's the, he's the avenger. Amen. All you do is pray mercy over, the, over people as you would have mercy returned back into your life. Amen. Bow your head. I want to pray for you. Musicians, you can come forward. Would, um, would you put Galatians 6 up there, the last verse? I shall read this as the musicians are coming. I love this. This is a good scripture. Galatians 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, so now you know who Paul's writing to. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Not a trick question. What is the law of Christ? Thank you. What's the law of Christ? Love one another. Say it again. Yeah, that's the law of Christ. The Father is not pleased at all when other people are struggling and you're not empathetic with them. He, if, in fact, he's extremely unhappy about it. And I don't know about you, but I need God's favor every second of every moment of every hour of every day. And so constantly be on guard. When the devil sets that trap of offense, don't take the bait. Don't take it. You let it go. Pray. Pray. When you think someone's offending you, you pray for them. But let me go back to this one more thing. Jesus said, what did he say when someone offends you? What did he say? He said, go and show them. Go to them and show them. And that is the biggest mistake we make. Because we think we have a right to remain offended until they come and say something to us. It's crazy. We have it completely backwards. Come on, everyone. If you agree with me on that, that's what we do. Say amen to that. Amen. It's exactly what we do. We, we're going to bless God. Ain't going to talk to them. Do nothing with them. Not going to look at them until they come to me. They may not even know they offended you. Amen. And they have, may have repented 50 times. And here you are carrying this. They said many, many years ago, whatever it was in some country, if you, if you, were murder, if you, if you got caught murdering someone, they'd strap the dead body to your back. And you'd walk around with that dead body on, on your back until the poisons of that body would get into your system and eventually kill you. What a slow and powerful death. And all of a sudden you wonder why come nobody wants to be around me because you stink from carrying around a dead body. You stink because you're carrying offenses of others in your heart rather than letting it go and stand up straight. Praise God being a light for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.